0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to this week's episode of H.E.R.D., your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. H.E.R.D. is hosted by me, Joe Hakim, and I'm joined by Nick Britsky of Nick Drinks, Jason Leonard of the Detroit Optimist Society, and Vato of the Hungry Dudes. We are joined each episode by workers, leaders, and analysts of the hospitality industry. Please take a moment to subscribe to H.E.R.D. on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like or dislike what you hear, write a review. We love hearing from our listeners. You can visit H.E.R.D. at H.E.R.D.podcast.com, follow H.E.R.D. on Twitter and Instagram at H.E.R.D. Podcast, and like H.E.R.D. Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and now here's this week's episode of H.E.R.D. Hello, friends, and welcome to H.E.R.D., your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. It feels like we wait forever for summer in Detroit. The winter months, feels more; they feel more like years at times. The celebration will switch over to the warm weather. Tonight, we're going to talk about summer food, cocktail menus, patios, brunch, and much, much more. My guests lead the kitchen at Gold Cash Gold, which has become one of Corktown's most beloved restaurants. Chefs Brendan Edwards and Haley Enzert, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Hi, how are you guys doing?
1: Doing quite well.
2: Yeah.
0: Day so off. Yeah. So you just told me it's your you have you have a Tuesday off, and it's the first Tuesday you've had off ever together, or in a long time.
1: Traditionally, yeah. yeah she has Tuesdays off. I do not. Oh, so, so. I, I appreciate you guys coming here uh, tonight. This
0: is this is great. Thank you.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Thank Thanks you. for inviting us. And
0: yeah. you brought stuff with you. So yep. can explain what you brought. Please.
2: Um, So we brought our favorite, definitely favorite summer beverage combination, but um, all year round. It's great. So we brought some Herador tequila and Verdita, which we make. um, I make at the restaurant. It's a tomatillo, pineapple, chili, kind of chaser sipper, a Latin American beverage combo that we really love.
0: Yeah, so my first question when you guys brought this over to me was that – so you don't mix this? No. So this is this is made for separate drinking. You, when you serve it at the restaurant, how is it? So you serve it alongside – so you serve a, a, a shot of tequila
1: and a little shot of the verdita? Yep. My, my favorite way to drink it is definitely to have a neat pour of tequila. Um, and the thought is not having it as a mixer in terms of like a margarita or some other form of mixed beverage – it's more to enjoy your tequila and have a quick little, like, splash of refreshing. Um, and it's also kind of interesting because of the chilies in there. It's really going to bring out some other flavors. Uh, the fruitiness of the, the jalapeno and whatnot is going to end up bringing about some some things just like sort of, like, having a glass of wine and cheese or whatnot. It, it smells incredible.
0: It, this is, you open, open the bottle, and, and and there it is. It's just like even know how to explain it's like a...
2: we have redita popsicles for the patio as well <laughs> really <laughs> yeah
0: so l- let's let's start with let's start with the patio because it's summer and and patio dining is you know
1: at a premium at michigan right correct so you guys have a gorgeous patio i i probably am gonna sound really biased which i i will totally accept but i also try to be not biased ever Um, In terms of patio-wise, I think right when we started Gold Cash Gold, um, which is two and a half years ago now, right? Almost.
2: Almost three.
1: Yeah. Um, So two and a half years ago, um, our first run into summer was a big change um, in terms of how to kind of organize, um, create some degree of hospitality within Gold Cash Gold and being from. Michigan I think we very much understand how important having a proper patio is and being someone that came from the country um, I also really enjoy not feeling like I am in a big city um, at times uh, some of our favorite places to go for instance is Belle Isle and go to the conservatory enjoy just plants um, so our our patio and it's setup up is very small intimate, but also kind of feels a little wild. You still get the sounds of the city. And I think um, walking into Gold Cash Gold, that was one of my first focuses in terms of things outside of the kitchen. Um, and trying to make a cool, nice little atmosphere. We have a little bar out there for like event parties and things like that. But for the most part, it just it's meant to feel like we are having our own little backyard time with fun and uh, really good fresh drinks what's the capacity out there I think it was like thirty five seats total with including including that little like six seat bar
0: uh-huh um so th- this uh, th- the kind of lead into
1: or getting into gold cash gold what brought you to gold cash gold where, where were you before um, so we were, we were both uh, downtown uh, at standby okay. um, I've been I've worked around quite a bit, but we ended up meeting at Standby. Um, so that was, uh, I think, an interesting project in terms of, like, uh, much more cocktail-forward uh, sort of thing and the the combinations of flavors. Um, one of the first desserts I put on the menu, which actually was at Antietam pre, uh, pre-Standby, was actually based on a really old uh, English cocktail, uh, Lemon Pulsette. Mm-hmm. Um, which was actually just like fresh cream and an ale mixed together. You let it sit and it'll create like a custard. Um, so difference from that, a uh, soured ale compared to lemon juice, mix the cream together, it's an eggless custard. It's great. Um, But we both came from there um, pretty much uh, straight there. Um, I think both of us has worked with like lots of really amazing chefs in the city. So we had like, a little bit of time working with Brad Greenhill at t- 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 uh-huh. Um And and then Gold Cash Gold kind of came up because Josh Stockton, the original chef, left and was basically like, if you're to hand this over to someone, Brendan's the only person that I would recommend. And we pretty much work as a pair. So yep. she she runs all the beautiful morning things. Uh which I will admittedly say I feel like is often more popular than my uh, evening things, um, so to speak. People Even though just we love shy. brunch, it is a love of brunch.
2: Yeah. So
1: and you also
0: do the desserts, right, Haley? Yep. Yeah. Um, Brendan, do you do desserts as well, or is it something that you are not not at Gold Cash Gold, but just in the in the general sense? I know a
1: lot of chefs kind of don't. They do one or the other. So where do you stand on that? I think this is one of the first things that Haley and I really got along with was that we both, even though we can say like Haley is the pastry chef or something along those lines, right? Um, but both of us, I think, try to blur that line between savory and sweet. Um, I actually was a like a sous chef or a teacher's assistant at Schoolcraft College for two years uh-huh. for the bake shop program. Um, kind of part of my personality is just to like dive in and just keep working keep learning um so in a learning environment such as Schoolcraft, i just kind of tried to not never leave um and so i feel like when we work together she does the pastries but i also feel like i i understand the pastries um i've done i did all the pastries at antietam and for a while at at standby uh i don't touch them really at all other than opinions um (laughs) and haley do you do
0: Savory dishes as well as,
2: yeah, um, I do all the pastries and then um, the brunch menu, which I feel like I don't have really. I have one sweet item on there, um, and then it's a collaboration with dinner. We all just we all just like sit together with a big stack of books and figure out what sounds exciting and what our farmers have and what we you know what's available to us. So. That's great. Um but my pastry uh inspiration, I guess I just go home and sit by myself with a big stack of books. Um but I mean we have a really similar palette, Neither of us really like very sweet desserts. So usually the opinions and feedback I get are are fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I think like the last dessert which is the newest dessert on the menu is this like baked eggless um I, I can't call it a custard but it's like a baked eggless um, yogurt okay um, and it has a grapefruit curd and graham uh, cracker crust and these little the cutest milk little crumb. milk crumb um, and these really cute little poppy seed meringues uh-huh. and stuff like that and when we did like the tasting for it, I think all, all I said was like everything's great like there's maybe like a slight, difference between if you like differentiated the acid and the curd compared to that but like it it doesn't matter like all these things really go really well together um and the feedback is more just like trying to get out of your own own perspective and actually asking for someone to be honest which i think is like one of the things that i try to always be open to i feel like a lot of my old french chefs that i studied under you know if you gave them any criticism, it to burn you or something you know, uh
2: we're pretty honest with each other, yeah feedback. it's
1: it's just it's just like straight feedback of like trying to get out of your own palate
0: well, so i I, I want to kind of like kind of parse this out so you you mentioned there was so let's go through the components of the dessert again. there was a yogurt, a curd, a meringue, and was there something else and
2: then fresh grapefruit and um it's called a milk crumb, but I use graham flour, and then it's like milk powder and butter. It's like a milk powder streusel. It's really toasty.
0: Now, now, okay, so let's walk through the kind of the thought process of how this all comes together. Is that po- – can you? Is yeah. that something – okay. So – and, and what when, when I when I want you to do specifically is talk about the kind of research and development that goes into each component that you've put together, or does that not happen until they're all together?
2: I mean, it really depends. Um, some dishes I feel like will come to me within a matter of like two minutes and I, it just kind of clicks and I know exactly what I want to do. And then other things like I'll find, I found the recipe for this, um, this baked yogurt, which we make our yogurt in house and it's my, like the favorite yogurt I've ever had. And so I saw that recipe. I know I wanted to try to do that. Um, in a traditional Spanish Catalana dish because they're beautiful. We bought them um, like a month ago. So I just try to use do something that's like easy to execute. Um, and then putting components together, I try to make sure that texturally everything makes sense and you've got something that's creamy and something that's crunchy. Um, I like playing with temperature as well. As best as you can, you know, sometimes ice cream will melt on top of something hot and you uh-huh. just have to get over it, figure something else out. Um, but, uh, yeah, make sure you have everything um, that makes sense texturally. And then with flavors, you always want to make sure you have enough salt, enough sweet, enough acid, and everything makes sense. You're not overpowering any flavors with any other flavors, Um, I think Brendan and I, when we're plating things, whether it's sweet or savory, we always try to make sure that the guest gets to, like, kind of build their own bites, but you don't have to really try to get all of the components on the same bite or, you know, like, everything, every bite's a little bit different, but you aren't missing anything. Like,
1: like everything, every part is solid, but when you're actually going through and eating something... I think uh, repetition, especially in like a larger, larger dish, uh, even if it's just a a dessert, you're going to end up having those like diminishing returns. Um, Every bite, if it's exactly the same, is going to just get boring, Uh more boring. Um, So I I think that's like a a thought process behind it. And I think also like in terms of the way that we sit down, how she was kind of saying, like we sit down with like books and see what. Uh, is on our list for like the farmers that are providing us with um, products. Um, we usually look for something to initially inspire us. Um, I think, for instance, like this dessert. Uh, one of I think both of our favorite inspirations is just the house made yogurt that we make. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's been a yogurt culture that's been like three plus years old. So we just keep feeding it um, really good dairy. Uh, currency and Calder dairy we use both of them um, but finding an inspiration there and then like starting to branch out and think about what other flavors initially go with it and then how are those flavors going to work with textures and once you have flavors and then textures then you actually think about how are those going to go onto the plate um, and, and I think that's one thing that I realize that isn't really thought about a lot but it's like making sense of why you put something on a plate a certain way Um i spent a little bit of time in other places, but we talk a lot about like, all right, well, if you put this this way, you're generally going to be right-handed. Where's the sauce going to go in order for someone to in- intuitively eat the sauce? Because you don't want to miss a little sauce on every bite. So, so there's engineering that happens with, with each dish that you're creating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, if you, if you go into any restaurant, um, I think there's a lot of like, documentaries and things like that now that you see on netflix uh like chef's table uh-huh. uh i just watched that seven days out uh, i don't know if you've seen that yet uh-huh. but it's really amazing to just kind of have an understanding of how much work and how many little cogs go into the process of creativity because uh, i think in my head creativity isn't isn't uh isn't a part of what This is 100%. I think like creativity is like the last 1%, you know, like um, all these flavors of the tequila and verdita, they're all flavors that go together. People have done it a thousand times, but it's how you actually like execute it. Um, Putting tomatillo was, you know, Haley's idea for the verdita. Um, And it's a little change of like 1%. Um, Mm -hmm. But all these things that are adding up together are engineered in a certain way. And a certain thought. And that's why you end up having a smart yes, tequila. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of how you end up um, creating a dish that's going to end up
2: I think being interesting. Largely too, um, you have to think about what people want to eat when it's 90 degrees and they're sitting on a patio or when it's negative five degrees and they just... Drove an hour and tried to park for a half hour to come into your restaurant. Um, in the winter, like I feel like our menu is a little bit heavier, and we want to make more, more so like comfort food. And then in the summer, like I wanted to make something that was refreshing and it wasn't going to be too heavy to where if you came in and ate a full meal, like you just couldn't stand the idea of eating dessert. Uh, I try to always make them light and not um super, like, put you into a sugar coma right away. Um, but I think we try to do that with everything. Um, in the summer, we were talking earlier, like, we really just want, like, good, spicy, lighter, refreshing food, like lots of fruit. And thankfully, fruit and vegetables in the summer, you don't really have to do much to them to make them great. Just get quality do, do, you, do you
0: find that your guests appreciate the, the, the change that you shift when you shift over to summer? I, I mean, I, I think from a general perspective, the mood of the city changes, right? So Detroit becomes this real, um, this more vibrant place in the summer. People are Most definitely, um, you know, out and about, uh, lots of, lots of biking, lots of walking, lots of, um, going from place to place on a Saturday or Sunday, um, and so is there like a, a wide appreciation for these kind of lighter dishes and
1: um, more focus on vegetables and fresh produce? I, th- I think that's a um, very correct statement. And I think also like in the in the way that Detroit has been changing, uh, I remember like um, – I mean I started back – or in and around Detroit around 2008. But like seeing the difference between 2008 and 2019 I think is – a huge difference of like how people are really approaching going out and hanging out. Um, 2008, it was like, you'd go to the Bronx bar and that was one of, you know, the few spots that you would hit up. Um, sometimes there was like quite a few other places. Uh, if you were, you know, to go to Rose Happy hour, that was also huge in 2008. Um, but if you go to Rose Happy hour, it's also a heavier meal in general. Mm-hmm. It's a steakhouse meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I think in terms of summertime, I always appreciate some char, so like I'm still not denying roast as a summertime jam, uh-huh. but, um, but I think Detroit has started to learn how to um, eat better. I think that's a, a big thing about like um, being someone who is being hospitable and someone who is taking hospitality. Um, where. where slowly um educating and training each other how to like treat each other better uh-huh. more or less and i think that those changes of like fresher um farm to table a lot of those keywords like Mm-mm. end up being a lot more uh approachable and you see them more and more often in anywhere from you know lower and mid-range restaurants uh, that are really great all the way up to you know higher end restaurants i mean Two of our favorite restaurants, like Subinos and Ema, you look at how many farms they use in and around, and those farms weren't really super in existence um, a while ago. In Subino, you can walk in, just get a slice, and walk out the door, but they'll have stuff. They'll have arugula from Rising Pheasant or um, Fish High Farms or whatnot, Ema's, which are both local. Both farms. local. Yep. Yeah. Um, Ema, in the same sense, like they're they're using things that maybe you know, 10 plus years ago aren't available. And now that is also like a selling point and p- things that people want. Uh, every Monday at Motor City Wine, the pop-up is vegan, which is incredibly popular. Uh-huh. Um, I think things like that are like, we're watching people change. And I think that's also really exciting to see because I think that's also how more or less like both Haley and I enjoy eating.
2: Yeah, I feel like self-care is becoming like a new thing for people which is really incredible in a lot of different ways but like you said we're trying to like show each other how to take care of each other and take care of ourselves and eat better and walk around in the summer bop around to different places and you know eat just better food you know if you're biking around on a Saturday and it's 95 degrees you generally aren't going to want cheeseburgers or maybe you do I don't know cheeseburgers are great but uh, (laughs) i mean it's it's harder to be active when you're eating super heavy food
0: this is the midwest sensibility though right the meat and potato sensibility of of the midwest of the um probably i mean it goes far to say like the the, like pre-millennial um kind of diet is more meat and potato heavy oh absolutely yeah so so then how do you do you placate that customer as well do you do you market towards them at all or do you just hope that you can change their mind with some really incredible
1: fresh produce i mean i i think the fresh produce is a enticing point Mm -hmm. but not necessarily one that you have to sell someone on i think um having a restaurant you kind of gotta have like a shotgun approach like you can't just hit one point i'm not just cooking for you um i'm cooking for numerous people like we we need to actually think about that person that wants the burger like our burger on our menu i think is great we have a fried spicy chicken sandwich which is great um we actually expanded our menu so it's still available but we have like we have it on our bar menu um and we aren't taking it off anytime soon um and we have dishes that are very much meat and potato um uh sort of dishes um
2: I mean, for brunch, I have to keep some hangover food on that menu, but I was a vegetarian when I created that menu in the beginning, and I think um, some of our most popular things have been the vegetarian and vegan um, items, which is crazy. Like, I put tempeh tacos on the menu last year because I wanted to learn how to make my own tempeh, and then they got so popular that I couldn't keep up with making enough tempeh for- Really? Really? Weekends, yeah. But I think that's great. I never imagined that people, that it would be like, I guess, cool to eat vegetarian and vegan now, but, you know, I'm not a vegetarian anymore, which I think is pretty funny. It was 10 years, and now I'm two years out of eating meat again, but...
0: What happened? She ate veal.
2: I was having dreams about eating (laughs) steak, like... Really? Yeah, like daily, nightly. (laughs) And then (laughs) I decided I was, one day it was the day and I got a little buzzed up and I ate meat.
0: Veal? Uh, Yeah. Wow, you really like went all in? Yeah, I just went
2: hard. And then I ate lamb the next day.
0: Huh.
1: Dave Mancini's lamb. I just dive right in. (laughs) It's my (laughs) personality.
2: (laughs) And then I tried our burger for the... First time, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Everyone like has everyone tried this burger? Our burger is the best burger I've ever had." And I'm like, "Shit! I haven't had a burger since I was like 15, <laughs> but it's still really great."
0: That's pretty incredible. I mean, yeah. yeah,
2: I think I've I've become a better chef since I started eating meat again because I definitely have an appreciation for it. And I used to cook it before, but I didn't. I wasn't as excited about dishes with meat. But um, recently I've been trying to um, make more vegetarian items and, you know, now that it's summer and we have a ton of really beautiful produce coming our way, uh, we like to just highlight all of that. And like I said, you really don't have to do much to a really beautiful piece of produce. Just take care of it right. Serve it right.
0: So I want to talk about brunch for a second because I've noticed that you like, to make donuts.
2: I make donuts.
0: Or, I don't know if you, well, I don't know, I shouldn't say that you, I don't know if you S- like uh, donuts. I've
2: come to really like making donuts because I've never really liked donuts that much.
0: I don't like donuts either. This
2: is not my thing, Um, but I guess donuts. I just started making them, like, I'm like, well, I don't really love donuts, but I guess I have to make them good enough to where I want to eat them, and I try to make Interesting flavors, you know, like we were talking about with desserts before. I always try to make sure they're balanced and savory enough. And if you ever get a chocolate donut at Gold Cash, it's going to have salt on it because mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but like last weekend, I did strawberry, rhubarb, and Campari donuts, and they're great. But sometimes there's booze on them, sometimes there's not.
0: What what, what gave you the, the like Inspiration to do donuts. Why
2: donuts? Uh, Brendan wanted to do a different donut every Ah, weekend for brunch. And he (laughs) never had to make them. So I get there at usually between like 10 to 6 and 6 05 every Saturday and Sunday. And I make tons of donuts and I listen to rap music and.
1: You're, you're an asshole. It's great. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, what's, what's funny is, so uh, upon us first getting there, I think I had like some quick ideas um, and then Haley ran with them, which is great. And I think probably the only two major ideas that really stayed on the menu was brunch potatoes, which um, I think everybody loves if you've had them before, but they're um, like, I call them my hangover potatoes. Uh-huh. Um, They've been on almost every single one of my menus because my Irish heritage, I feel like, just craves them. Um, but they are, like, after you're hungover and you need to eat something, um, this is literally the story of them, is grabbing a potato that's been cooked in aromatic liquid with, like, onions and thyme and whatever. And then you just crush it with your hand, and the, the little spaces between each finger kind of denote different textures of fried potato. Uh-huh. So the ones between your index finger and your thumb are going to be big and fluffy and still have that like kind of potato But the ones between your pinky finger and your ring finger are going to be small and crispy and delicious. Then you toss that with butter um, because I'm of the school of Julia Child and uh, some scallions, salt and pepper and just call it a day. Uh-huh. Um, so that stayed on the menu which I'm happy about because it's still yeah. like one of the few things that I've I, I eat every brunch at least a little bit. I try not to eat a lot of them, but, um, and then the other one was the donut because I was like, I love donuts. Sorry to the both of you. <laughs> um, and I, I imposed a general rule, uh, with our initial baker, um, Lori, who is now down in Kentucky. Um, right? Kentucky?
2: Is she in Kentucky? I don't
1: know. Yeah. But anyway, so my initial rule Tennessee. was like, Tennessee.
2: I don't know. She's
1: in the south. <laughs> she's at like a farm where like she people, moved away. Yeah, she's like a lot of people like drive around in Mercedes Benz and stuff like that. Like it's a blackberry farm. Black, black, black. Yeah, blackberry yes, black yeah. farms. That's, yeah, that's a very well known. Uh,
0: yeah, farmstead. Very
1: expensive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah high I high haven't I haven't high high afforded, high afforded to go there yeah. yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm happy that um she was there in the beginning because she she did a really great job and. I gave her, like, a rule, which then, uh, you know, Haley uh, took with, too, which is let's not repeat donuts unless you really need to. So you haven't repeated a donut?
2: I've repeated one donut. Uh, so, been... I,
1: I, I think we've repeated since, Lori, but not you. <laughs> In total. I oh, know I repeated only... one donut? Yeah, we've repeated donuts, I think, three times total. Oh, maybe. And one was because it was Lori's last day, and she made my favorite donut. That what's, she had made.
0: What's your favorite donut that uh, she the f- makes?
1: The favorite one that she made for me was like this raspberry uh raspberry sesame uh cake donut that she made. Huh. Um, which by the way I can barely remember my own menu items, so I'm really yeah. surprised I remember <laughs> that familiar. just right now. <laughs> um But yeah, that one and then we repeated the did we repeat the Campari one? That one was a little different. But yeah. we've done uh some similar flavors before.
2: I did parsley and lemon and ginger twice.
1: There you go. So, so not repeated very often. So, like pretty much, if you don't come in for a weekend, that donut won't be seen again. And it's been a solid two plus years. We're to start done repeating that. things soon. Does does that annoy people? Do people ask
0: for? Are, are there, oh no, I no. think
2: it's. I didn't realize we were the only people doing that uh-huh. because we. um We just recently went to Austin and we like went to a couple of restaurants while we were down there and we went to this one brunch place that looked incredible and every day they have the same donut. I was like, oh, that sounds easy. (laughs) Good for you guys. Um, And I mean, a couple of other places around, I feel like, um, you know, they'll always have like a, their one donut that they do or like their one Danish or whatever, but I mean it's fine. I haven't um I haven't had too many problems figuring out what to do. I did like a Hey Instagram, what kind of donut do you guys want thing? Like thinking like, oh man, I'm gonna get so many good ideas for the bank here and like everyone said matcha and something else. (laughs) And then like somebody said fish donuts. I'm like, you guys are (laughs) <laughs> Hi, this isn't real. Like, I'm not doing matcha donuts for the next six weeks do, in a row. Do
0: people really like matcha that much or is there some perceived health benefit that you're get, not getting if you eat it in a donut? Like, well, I think fine, it's because Starbucks like,
2: uh, has matcha, frappuccino, what is the cold one? Whatever the blended cold thing is at Starbucks okay. is like a thing. So people think they like matcha, but they just like matcha with like 500 grams of sugar. Yeah. And cream. And cream. Yep. And whipped cream.
0: Because I really like matcha. I do like matcha. I enjoy mm-hmm. the flavor. I I, um, I will drink it just with, you know, matcha powder, hot water, you know, yeah. whatever. Traditionally, yeah. Yeah. But I imagine the average person, and I don't want to, like, offend anyone by calling them average, but matcha is a, a tough flavor to get a hold of, I think. Oh, absolutely. And to put it into a donut seems I did it. Tricky. They were good. They were good? Okay. But they
2: weren't, Um, I feel like. I mean, we like went to Madison Heights and bought real matcha, Mm -hmm. and it tasted like matcha, and I put it with black sesame and coconut, and it was good, and I think there was lemongrass in there somewhere, but it didn't taste like a green tea latte. So I think it's not really what people expected, but you also have to try to teach people what real ingredients are.
1: Right. And I I, I think that's also kind of going back um, to people's expectations of a restaurant um, if you're known as a restaurant that changes regularly um, I mean I remember right when we took over brunch I had to calm a couple of uh, a couple of our customers down because we changed a menu item that they had had three or four weeks ago and we had changed it from a fried fried chicken Benedict to a crab cake Benedict and they were Kind of livid. Outrage. like well, How dare you take <laughs> off a fried chicken Benedict? That was – it was so – why would you change it? It's so amazing. And I was like, well, we change a lot of things. We don't change like the two egg with potatoes and meat because that's classic. Right. But a fried chicken Benedict isn't really classic. It's just a thing. I mean, it was great.
2: It. But it was
1: – Heavy.
2: A lot.
0: That, that sounds heavy. It was
2: two chicken thighs, two eggs – ginger dill hollandaise on biscuits with tomato or like charred green tomatoes and I think I put a salad with it just to like make myself feel better <laughs> but I maybe maybe it was potatoes maybe it wasn't a salad I don't know
1: so sometimes you just need to go over the top with people you know just be like all right well you're already going to be comatose might as well just get you like an extra week of coma well, <laughs> yeah it's
2: like the chicken and waffles right now like i mean you're done for might as well put a half a chicken on that in that bowl
0: i'm i'm not a chicken and waffles guy either
2: i'm not a chicken and waffles guy either
0: yeah i i can't i can't get into it this
1: is not my thing i you, love you, you love chicken and, and waffles, brendan you, uh, not not that much oh, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm i will
2: I, this the hot sauce syrup though
1: Hot sauce syrup is good, but it's also, like, I like maple syrup. And I like hot sauce. We make our own yeah. fermented chili. Uh, I think that's one of the things that we do very uniquely is we do have our own, like, HACCP uh, plan to do, like, all of our own fermentation. So we get to play a lot with fermentation. What's um, HACCP? HACCP is uh, Hazard Analysis... And critical control and points. And critical control points. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been about uh, 18 months since my last... Uh...
0: But you need to do that for the hot sauce?
1: But yeah. We... Okay. So it's it's checking out and making sure that uh, everything is within a, a pH and um, controlled properly uh-huh. to avoid any possible contamination of things that are not good for you. Right? You have like probiotics that are good for you, like our. Yogurt culture, for instance. Uh, and you want to make sure that those are continuing and not something else getting in there and destroying them. And a lot of those those sort of uh, things, once you get them to a certain point um, with a, like a salt content or whatnot, then you end up uh, creating a hazardous environment for things that will hurt you. Mm-hmm. And that's why like a lot of people are probiotics. But anyway, chicken and waffles, a uh, little <laughs> rabbit trail yeah. there. hot sauce uh, syrup on the chicken and waffles
2: is Undeniably good, but I I couldn't imagine. But it
1: goes on a lot of things. Like I mean, I feel like I see you eat the breakfast sausage with the hot sauce syrup just as often at. It's my breakfast sausage
2: condiment of choice. Yeah, but then also, um, people get very upset that they get a half of a cornbread waffle with a half a chicken, which is like I don't know, pound and a half of food, but like they want a whole waffle, so. Like man, if somebody feels like they're getting we, like we, cheated out of this half waffle, give them a whole waffle. Well, the, I don't give them a to-go box.
0: This is the Midwest sensibility again. This is uh, Michael Simon. Uh, it was a Michael Simon quote from years ago. who said that p- when people go out to eat in the Midwest, they expect to um, have dinner and then have lunch for tomorrow. They expect to take something home, which isn't the is not the responsibility of the restaurant at all sure because if you if you were pricing your dishes to say okay um this person is going to take half of this home your dish your cost per dish will go up the price on the menu would go up theoretically and to go Re-
2: containers are expensive
0: right uh, especially responsible
1: ones just yeah. to throw that out there
0: yeah and and that i mean that's what I was saying so what you're saying is like a uh green green safe is that the that the brand yeah that's what we um, use and um even not styrofoam right yes. it, it, that's not recyclable compostable styrofoam.
2: recyclable
0: yeah I mean, they can they can range, and I might be a little off on this, but a dollar a piece for the for the for the container itself, yeah. which is expensive uh, from a restaurant's point of view.
1: I I think our like large one is uh, seventy three cents. Seventy three cents. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so there's a
0: sense that you know your point with wanting a whole waffle, a half a chicken, and a half a waffle. It's a big
1: ass meal. It's a lot of food. I, I mean, there's no two ways about it, and and also I just think it kind of goes. Goes pretty well together, right? Half chicken, half waffle. Right. If you want a whole waffle, you want a whole chicken too. <laughs> like, are you going to get upset that you're like, ah? Why don't I have a whole chicken? Don't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: So okay. So with brunch, and, and we talked about brunch, talked about donuts. Now let's talk about slushies because you guys have boozy slushies, right? Correct. And that's that seems to be very summery as well. And you, I think you guys were the
1: maybe one of the first on the first
0: in the city to do slushies yeah i mean boozy um, slushies not slushies in general
1: but. yeah so i i feel like um we we were definitely up there um i know i'm not trying to cause any like you know beef or anything with anyone uh just you know let's say you're one of the first yeah i'm good. i'm trying to think of like who really did i pay attention to that was first i know that, like when we were at standby like talking about doing the belt stuff Motor City um, Wine
2: always had the um, Steagle and Campari slushies. Oh, yeah! They're so I, good.
0: I, Those are fantastic.
1: I, as soon I as I feel like
2: they were the OGs of the boozy slushy. I,
1: I think they're right up there with uh, the Alley sort of stuff. Because I remember, like, like working with Kyle uh, with their uh, Irish coffee slushy. Yeah, situation. but our
2: slushies are on point.
1: Yeah, I mean, we. Uh, she makes her own milk liqueur, yep, which is amazing. So cool. is in our Irish cream, our Irish sushi. Uh
2: It's like a weird. Um, oh God, where was it from? Milk yeah, it's like f- a fermented milk wash. I think it's like a Scandinavian thing. I found it on a blog like four years ago, and I had to translate all of it, and it was like this <laughs> lady's grandpa's recipe, um, but. Y- Traditionally, they were using Yeji to make it. So I guess maybe it was, maybe it was Polish. I don't think it was. Anyway. What's, what's, um, what's Yeji? is like a, it's like a super traditional, like if you go to Hamtramck and go to like Polish Village or Polonia or any of those places, like it's their house, like, shot i guess um it's a uh, I
1: think it was like the fourth time i ever heard the word yeji pronounced it's fun to in say. my life but i, I i've only like had it a more. couple yeah. times
2: but it they don't have it at a lot of places but i use diesel which is uh un, undrinkable by itself <laughs> but um, it's called diesel for guessing. yeah it's called diesel with a picture of a diesel truck on the f- label so you're a monster if you drink that alone <laughs> um but I'm kind of a monster cuz I use that instead of vodka and it's milk and dark chocolate and lemon and diesel and, and then sugar with a fermentation yeah, part and sugar and then shake it every day for 13 days and then strain it through milk or um through coffee filters and it's like this beautiful like toasty amber color and it tastes like dark chocolate and i don't know it's really great i made a mexican chocolate one too and then a lavender white chocolate one
1: it's it's really delicious but it's also one of those things where like you you, you kind of
2: you can't believe there it has alcohol in it
1: yeah like you're gonna screw yourself over if you just drink it because it's like sweet semi-sweet and like really really boozy uh-huh so between the the diesel that's in it and then like some of the natural fermentation it it it, it will put you under really, really fast.
0: So so you see this recipe on a blog, and, and, and you say to yourself, holy shit, that sounds good. I want to make that. At what, how do you scale that recipe and, and think that this is going to be perfect for the restaurant?
2: Um, I didn't really. Didn't? I okay. <laughs> made it, and the whole time I went in and shook it every day. I'm like, man, this looks gross. Like, This is going to be so weird. And then I strained it, and it took like two days to strain and I was the first one to try it, and I kind of just like closed my eyes and I don't know it's prayed like, to the universe, and it like was really a good. For your first time. Yeah, like this has been sitting in a dark room for thirteen days, and it looks room terrible. Uh, milk but milk it was milk. great. So so good. I made three other flavors of it. Um, but anyway, slushies. We put that in our the one slushy but, that we had, which is an Irish coffee slushy. Yep.
1: And then the it's other one really rotates a little bit. Uh, right now it's like uh, based off of a...
2: So good. It's like yerba mate and gin and...
1: But it's based off of Paloma? Am I right I don't in know. saying that? No. It's a... Caffirina. Caffirina. It's based off of Caffirina.
2: Caffirina?
1: <laughs> I speak Spanish. I can't <laughs> even do these things right.
2: Caffirina? Yeah. Oh, I was way off then. But anyway, it has yerba mate, which is my fave these days. And it's great. A $5 slushies can't really beat it, especially on a patio.
1: Do you guys have somewhere. a separate menu for the patio? No. Um, we have a, a bar menu, okay. which is kind of like more for. Corktown's like the oldest neighborhood in, in Detroit, uh-huh. if you for anyone who's listening who doesn't know that. Um, but we, we definitely try and cater somewhat to people who want to come in and have snacks, have a drink. Um, We try and keep some of our uh, prices a little bit lower. Um, If you know, like, the general restaurant model, all of our wines are priced lower than most. Um, Other than Mudgee's, if you take their to-go wine, uh, he has amazing prices. Um, And also Motor City Wine, both of those, like, if you're taking retail wine, just go there because they have really great selections. But um, as far as, like, sitting down and having a drink... um, our bottle prices are priced specifically to make sure that people that, like, are excited about wine um, or just want to have, like, a good gl- glass of wine um, are something that you can you can enjoy, uh, as well as our cocktails and a lot of other things. But, um, so we have the bar menu with that, and then we also have uh, the dinner menu at night. So uh, the dinner menu go- extends to the patio. Uh, the first year, we tried to do a separate patio menu. Uh, as like a light patio alfresco sort of thing Uh and honestly like people sat on the patio and ordered that and other things so i just like kind of like learning about your audience um i think we realized that it was just one of those things where you need to like actually take into account that people want to have snacks they want to eat they want to share some plates um and i think midwestern mentality generally like We have some bigger dishes on our menu um our steak is weighed in at nine plus ounces our tomahawk pork chop is uh i tell all the servers that it's 20 ounces but it's like bone in so usually the last time i i butchered it was 26 ounces wow so uh we try and have some of those like plates that are like so to speak gonna put you over Like you're going to end up probably taking some home unless you're someone like uh, the people sitting in this room (laughs) that are like going to be like, all right, so I want this and this and this. I want to like share everything and pass all the plates around. And most likely, even though it's 6,500 calories per person, we're probably going to finish it all. Yeah, we shouldn't, but we are. So um,
0: it's the most enjoyable way to eat, I find. It is. You order a yeah. bunch of things, order a bunch of different things and and, and you pass it around and you, you talk, you, you start Mm-hmm. you know.
1: And I, I think that's also like um, something that we think about a lot in terms of like humanity and like how we we present ourselves to people is as far as hospitality goes, it's very much like looking at another human being and acknowledging that they're human, that you actually care about them. Uh, And hopefully they care back, right? And so in us actually approaching our menus is – and our style of service is trying to continue to like push that conversation. That way of eating I think is something that is something that people like us generally are going to want to do a lot. Um, Right now we're, we're leaning pretty hard on Spanish influences for dinner. Uh, Latin American influences for for brunch and those styles of eating uh, we were just in Spain last year um, and I mean we we sat down and had like tapas or like small plates uh, had smaller beverages so like everything was a little smaller but you, they're also really really cheap if you never have been to Spain everyone should probably go because it's a really amazing culture but You're trying all these little things and then graduating on and leaving purposefully to go to the next place. Uh, It isn't about just going one place. It's about having a community of people and like enjoying the entire neighborhood. Uh, Some of the oldest restaurants there, like I feel like a lot of America tends to be very much like what's the hot new thing? Yep. Um, Whereas there's a lot of really good quality places that like check out the hot new thing have a couple apps, and then go to the next place, have a couple apps, have a couple drinks, you know? Uh, and um, we try to price ourselves in a way that, like, that that would be affordable to do, if you wanna just have, like, little bites, um, as far as dinner goes. I,
0: I think it's part of the, uh, you know, it, it might be an American thing, where y- you want the guests to be there, you want them to be there. Mm-hmm. You want them. To, you want them to do drinks. You want them to do apps. You want them to do an entree. You want them to dessert all at your place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I and I think what you you know the, the the antithesis of that is what you experienced in Spain is that they're like, well, come by, have a couple things, go to the go to the next place. We w- we want them to be successful too. Yeah. And I, I don't think that you know if, if you were to sit down with other restaurant owners and, and chefs in the area, you guys all want each other to be successful. But are you actively pushing someone to the next place on a given night?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm I'm out in the dining room a lot for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a quick recourse, I think brunch we feed people pretty heavily. Um, yeah. But I think that's because people want that for brunch. So we're trying to play to that. Yeah. Um, but as far as dinner goes, I mean, I'm regularly going out to a table um, and influencing them to like, Try other things. Um, I, I tell all the the front of the house staff to. If it seems like they're like questioning where to go, um, we all go out enough and be like, oh, let me tell you about uh, another pla- great place. Oh, you're, you're looking for, for wine and dancing. Go to Motor City Wine. You're looking for another couple of small plates. Uh, go to Selden. Um, you want a really great dessert. I mean, honestly, Prime Proper has a really great dessert uh, that you can go there and like enjoy something um, that isn't necessarily a gold cash gold. But I also want you to know that we can actually facilitate all of those. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, I'm going to tell you to go th- to these places, but maybe come back for your entrees or come back for your dessert or go have apps at Chartreuse and then come back over and have dinner here. Or, you know, like mix up your night yeah. have a have a fun like night out on the town. And I think those are some of my favorite nights. The times that I go out with chefs, um, Haley and I like usually enjoy trying to hit like a couple of spots um, because it's we're a snackers. More, yeah, it's a, it's a really enjoyable thing to do, you yeah. know, um, even if it's like go go to a few different taco places, you know, like. Have a couple tacos here, and then have the guac at El Asador, and then have like a you know. There's there's so much to do, and if you're relegated to going out three nights a month, why would you just go to one place? Right. Yeah, and and I think it's important to note that a lot
0: of what we're seeing um, in 2019 Detroit, um, a lot of the places were there previous like you talked about southwest you mentioned southwest detroit there Mm -hmm. a lot of those places have been there 10 20 years yeah and and like you know it's
1: good to go down to southwest and just do a taco crawl absolutely yeah yeah um i mean well uh mi pueblo is i think one of your favorites and i usually push for uh los altos
2: i think los altos is my favorite all around
1: yeah I enjoy some tacos there. But Mipopo and also, is a
2: little bit more, like, Americanized, so when families in town or people who just aren't adventurous, like, cool, let's go get three pounds of meat and cheese and a <sighs> cast iron. <laughs> yeah. And some margaritas, probably with sour mix. That's fine. It's $4. Yeah.
1: Whereas, like, Los Altos, like, we went there last time with your brother and his friend, and I was like, you should totally have, like, a Like, you want the, the pork stomach tacos. It's delicious. And... He ordered one of those, and then he ordered, like, the other ones that he wanted, and he was like, dude, that pork stomach was super tasty. Yep. I definitely want to, like, come back. I, w- I wish I would have gotten all of that. And I was like, yeah, like, you have to realize some of these cultures, like, they know what they're doing, and then, like, they know that maybe some other people are a little bit more squeamish, and they, like, make a menu so that you can have that. Ground beef and cheese taco which is nothing nothing wrong with that but i mean yeah there's there's honestly nothing wrong with people who are eating responsibly in any in any regard like if if you're not adventurous that's that's fine like um and i don't think we try to ever push people to be adventurous too much Um, i try to
2: sneak things in
1: sometimes sneaking things in is good
2: (laughs) i usually i usually sneak things in to where they don't get it they don't know
1: yeah i mean some sometimes people are like like little kids. You gotta kind of have this like "oops" thing. Like, oops, there's a vegetable on your plate. <laughs> yep. because you gotta eat Oop, it. There's
2: avocado on there. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got any allergies? Great, <laughs> free reign.
0: <laughs> All right. So, where can people find out more about Gold Cash Gold?
1: Uh, well, definitely check out our social media. Uh, so we have um Facebook as well as Instagram, Gold Cash Gold Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are named after a pawn shop. Um, so oftentimes you'll probably drive by us and not even know that we are a restaurant. I kind of enjoy part of that when you walk in it's kind of like this hidden gem sort of feel um literally because there's like gemstone glass <laughs> that uh, encompasses our little atrium uh-huh. but um while we're at 2100 Michigan avenue uh, a notable like a uh, couple of notable like places would be the Michigan Avenue train station, uh-huh. which is getting redone by Ford. Uh, which is probably one of the most beautiful, like buildings in the whole city, and then of course the, like, never to be forgotten Slows Barbecue, which is like our, um, I want to say we're like in the shadow of them, but like they're, they're an icon in Detroit, yep. and we're right on the same block, so um, you can find us right there in Corktown, twenty one hundred Michigan Avenue. What are your hours? Our dinner hours, we start uh, happy hour at 4, dinner service at 5. We are closed on Mondays. Uh Um, So that is on the um, slower or like less um, party days of the week, Sunday through Thursday, not including Monday. We are open till 10, Friday and Saturday till midnight. And then brunch is 10 till 3.30, which is one of the latest running brunches.
2: Sleep in brunch.
1: Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of industry people that come in. So sometimes sometimes it's a little distracting to see so many people at brunch. I try and hide sometimes. (laughs) And that's Saturday and Sunday? Saturday and Sunday, yeah. So don't forget Saturday because Saturday is, uh, I definitely think like our brunch is one of the busiest brunches around. Sunday um, can be one of those times where you you never realize how busy you've actually been in your life until you work a Sunday brunch (laughs) with the number of people that have come in our doors. Um, but Saturday is like sometimes the most ideal day to come uh, if you don't have a reservation or whatnot. Patio season though is like ideal because we don't we don't reserve the patio just in case there's rain, pesky rain. And the website goldcashgolddetroit.com dot com. Perfect. Um, and I think that's everything. I think that's everything. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, not my phone number or anything. But- <laughs> Not yet. (laughs) So, Brendan, Haley, thanks for being
0: with me. Uh, It's been great talking to you guys. Best of luck this summer. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Hope to see you soon. All right. Until next time, dine well, friends. Cheers.